Fielders, Puppet Army, we begin our show yet again with the Suicide Puppets' latest hit single, Hate You Right Back, off their up-and-coming album, Tales of Living and Dying on Slaughter Ridge Road, dropping October 30th. Guys, I'm loving this record. I may or may not have already heard the whole goddamn thing, but whatever I have heard, I'm absolutely in love with. Stay tuned for Veritas Suicide's Psycho of the Week, immediately preceding this new song. Ladies, gentlemen, minefielders, puppet army, I give you my close personal friends, the suicide puppets. yesterday found dismembered human body parts human body parts stuffed in a suitcase in a popular neighborhood they quickly called in a medical examiner to confirm that those remains were indeed human Bizarre murder case out of Pennsylvania and telling investigators where to find the body are facing murder charges. Instead, he shot and killed that man and then buried the body on his family's property.
Welcome, minefielders and puppet army, to Veritas Suicide Psycho of the Week. I'm Veritas Suicide, drummer for the band Suicide Puppets. If you haven't heard by now, we have a new album releasing called Tales of Living and Dying on Slaughter Ridge Road, which is set to be released on October 30th through Unable Records. This week's Psycho of the Week is in a conundrum, depending on which looking glass you are viewing it from. A perfect example of what happens when a human being is ignored, bullied, and unloved since childhood. What early alcohol abuse and loneliness can create, it can create Jeffrey Dahmer. Please keep in mind as we continue, we are not in no way justifying his actions or denying his victims' family's justice or respect. Jeffrey Dahmer was born May 21st, 1960 to a mother and father that often left him home alone. It was this abandonment that ultimately lit the stick of dynamite that he became. Mercilessly bullied in school, his method of fighting back was simply not responding. His bullies eventually left him alone because they simply couldn't get a reaction out of him. His quote-unquote friend Dirk Bachter from high school wrote a comic book about it titled My Friend Dahmer that was eventually turned into a very poorly done yet upsetting movie. Both his mother and father left him alone in their home following their divorce. Unable to pay bills, the utilities were eventually cut off. It was around that time that Dahmer took his first victim, a jogger, he dismembered and minced. Discarding of his remnants among his lawn and nearby forest. He eventually moved in with his grandmother who kicked him out following his strange disassociative behavior and a strange odor coming from this crawl space she was no longer allowed to explore. He was arrested many times over the years for sexual assault and pedophilia, something almost unheard of in the 80s. He was once a suspect in the abduction and killing of Adam Walsh, the son of John Walsh, who started America's Most Wanted in its wake. Moving to Milwaukee and obtaining various odd jobs until he landed a gig at a chocolate factory, to add to his loneliness and frustration was also his closet homosexuality that he never made peace with. He would frequent gay bathhouses and pornographic movie theaters bringing men home with him. Most people think that he was a cannibal because he was hungry or wanted to know what human flesh tasted as. That's not the case. The reason he did these things was because consuming the flesh of his victims ensured that they could never leave him and always be a part of him. He even brought body parts with him to work to keep in his locker so they could still be close to him. His actual intentions and subsequent failed experiments was drilling holes in the heads of his drugged victims and pouring a small amount of acid into the brain cavity to damage their minds enough for them to still be alive but also completely subservient to him. Eventually, another escaped lover and the smell of rotting corpses in his apartment brought police to his home. The two responding officers found phallic body parts in his bedroom, tubes of bodies dissolving in acid, painted decorated skulls, and body parts in the refrigerator. He eventually confessed everything to police and was sentenced to life in prison. His actions destroyed the lives of everyone involved. The detective who was heading the case, the woman across the hall, the victim's families, the most bone-chilling version of this is a short video of one of his victim's sisters sitting on the stand, screaming, I hate you, Jeffrey. I hate you. In despair and anger at her brother's killer, Dahmer sat calmly at everything, as if his humble demeanor meant anything. Eventually, he was beaten to death in prison. It was only within the past few years that this killer was given any sort of voice in the press, claiming that the reason he killed him, bludgeoning him to death, 
with a mob stick was because nobody but his fellow inmates and the guards of the prison would understand. Apparently Dahmer would whisper to them what he wanted to do to them and how he would do it, and his fellow inmates had finally had enough out of fear and anger. Makes you wonder what extreme isolation, lack of love, lack of friendship combined with the inability to come to terms with or even being able to be your sexuality can create a certified psycho that is going to be studied for years to come. It must be motivated that Dahmer even told police never to let him free because he was going to do it again. These are the reasons we have chosen Jeffrey Dahmer as this week's Psycho of the Week. I am Veritas Suicide, and this has been Psycho of the Week. Minefields recording. Obviously, no, my name is Joshua Michael. Wow. It's been a year, hasn't it? Yeah. It's been it's a year. It's been about a year. Mrs. Lilith Grimm. Are we talking Mrs. or Mrs. Lilith Grimm? Just myth. Just myth with a little bit of fifth. Are you making fun of my list? <laughs> no, I mean, we've only been on the phone for like three, four minutes, and I know we've been really pressed for time. I promised you and you promised me that in a year as of last year we were going to follow up and see where the hell things have been man a lot of great things have happened to me everyone knows it because obviously I'm the minefields guy and everyone gives a big deal about the guy hey hey did you hear about my podcast you want to hear about my podcast (laughs) fuck off sure this says do you want to hear about my podcast (laughs) No, it's just great to have you, man. And like, I remember just like, hey, I know you don't know me, uh, but uh, I have a podcast and I really want to interview you. This is the first time anyone's ever put a microphone in your face and you've been shitting on that interview even though it's one of the most downloaded ones we ever had. God. Yeah. Uh, I was so new when I did that interview and I listened back to it and I just cringed. I didn't cringe at all, man. I had so I had such a lot of fun with you, man. And you... It was fun. It's just I was young. I was young. Oh yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> you were like what, sixteen, seventeen then? Oh God, please don't. No, it was just good to talk to you. And you and I have had such a great working relationship throughout the entire thing, man. And. I, I love when you message me and give me great constructive criticism because I am – I'm not exactly one – I'm a Leo, man. I'm not good at taking criticism. Uh, well, you're pretty. You're pretty, so I'll give you a pass. <laughs> well, okay. So, new era. 
So that's restarted. Mr. Eric Angel put you over big time. You've got Elias in your corner too. And now you've got this well, I almost said shoot name. You got Balaam, you got Damon, you've got a lot of great people in your corner. How do you feel? Oh, I feel absolutely amazing. I'm I'm very stoked with where I am in my career and I'm ready to just let the let the momentum ride and see where I go. But um, compared to where I was a year ago, I'm I, I couldn't fathom that I'm where I am now. You'd only taken a couple of bumps by then. Like you'd only like been like maybe like like five or six trainings by then when I last last interviewed you, right? Oh, yeah, no, I was that was probably like my third or fourth third or fourth show ever yeah. as you know Eric Angel's manager at the time. He's done a lot of great things, man. I, I God the 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 way that guy can turn a crowd, and the fact that I mean like a lot of people don't understand what it's like to be in the business, but it's a lot. You're around a lot of alphas. Did you find yourself as an alpha, like, from the very beginning, not just from when you started wrestling, but as a, as a kid, like, just waiting for the right opportunity? Like, because I've always always the same way. Like, I just wasn't in the right position. To be, to be completely honest, no. No, I was pretty shy and introverted growing up, um, pretty alone, pretty pretty isolated up until up until like college when I met my best friend and she's really the one that kind of brought me out of that and then you know I started doing music and went on tour did bands did all that stuff and that's what really turned me into more of the of the Lilith that you all know today and really brought out that that alpha in me and then you know like taking front front center stage and having to be in front of people all the time is really what brought that out. What was the catalyst? Yeah. What, what was the catalyst? And, and to put it in perspective, last night I went to Sunshine Studios and they were playing Adam's Family and Beetlejuice. And I, I leaned into Randy and I told him, like, the, the whole reason I am who I am is because I was eight years – no, I came in 88. So I was six years old. And my mother took me to see Beetlejuice, like full-fledged Beetlejuice in the theater. I was a blank slate. And I watched that movie, and I, I remember, like, to put it in perspective, it wasn't exactly what I thought, but the, the translation was, I don't know what the fuck I just saw, but I want absolutely everything to do with everything that I just saw. I want my whole life to look like that. I want everything to be just like that forever. And I want to know what your catalyst was, what your age was, when what happened to you that made you Lilith Grimm, because I believe you. Oh man, I I remember the exact moment. Um, so I will I will fully admit this. Up until the age of twelve, I listened to NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears and Aaron Carter and Christina Aguilera and Fall Out Boy. I love me some Fall Out Boy and I still love Fall Out Boy. I will physically fight somebody over Fall Out Boy. But <laughs> when I was twelve years old, um I met my dad. And uh, we were driving around in this, like, oh, this, like, BMW Roadster or whatever, driving, like, super fast, like, way faster than we should have. And um, he had looked through my CD collection and saw, you know, all this just 90s crap. And was like, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Like, no daughter of mine is going to be a little pop, like, pop star. Like, no, no, no. 
And so we're driving, and he puts in the CD, and it was, it was Steal This Album by System of a Down. And I heard the first couple beats of Chicken Stew, and I remember just, like, turning and just being like, what is this? Everything's different and now. I was, like, my mind was blown, and I was like, this is, this is fucking amazing. This is so, like unlike anything I'd ever heard in my film. I have listened to that album front to back. I don't even know time, at least, at least a hundred times. Cause like he burned me that CD. Stealing I, it. I took five CDs home with me that, that year. And my mom never found, I uh, know she found out later on, but she was, she was so mad, but I was 12 years old and I had steal this album. I had one fierce beer coaster by bloodhound gang. I had hooray for boobies. My bloodhound gang. <laughs> Uh, drowning pool and um, uh, Golden Age of Grotesque by Marilyn Manson. Those are my first five CDs that turned me into who I am today. Man, I uh, I actually met the original lead singer of Drowning Pool, man. Uh, <laughs> and the, yeah, I, 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 I talked about it with I Filter. Did. I talked about it with Filter, but even then, like I remember when all those came out, Golden Age of Grotesque, man, that had a, that had fight song. God damn. I love that song. Everything about that record was great, man. Like, uh, oh, it's beautiful. I, I posted the other day on uh, Facebook, and I, I, I try to post and be as positive as I can, as the everyone knows that, like, who I am, well, what little everyone does know. Um, I try to be as upbringing as I can, but I posted when Manson's new record came out. Uh, Manson's new record is The Shits, and it makes me really happy because my ex-girlfriend was oh, yeah. is the biggest Manson <laughs> fan. So it makes me happy that she has to force herself to like this fucking garbage. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember that post. Oh, she was a bitch, dude. Oh. I, I had a lot of hope for that album. I was like, maybe it would be good. And then I listened to it. I was like, it's just not. And, that, and like, I can't hate on him. Like, he's doing what makes him happy. Of course. And like, it's just not what makes me happy. And that's fair. He doesn't have to make me happy. He's making music for him. And that's clearly what he's doing. So more power to him. I'm just not going to listen to it. Not not the last one. I mean, like the last time he got put over for me was with John Wick, and that that did oodles. But hey, well, it's it, you don't like every Kiss record. I don't like every Deftones record, man. Um, I, I I'm willing to bet you do though. Don't no. <laughs> No, 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 no. I no, no. your interview with Filter. No, 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 no. I didn't. I, the, I feel a couple downs that you have. <laughs> Listen, man, we're on Skype and you see my face getting red. That is not fair. <laughs> <laughs> this is the last time we're doing an interview with Skype and fucking camera because that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, all right, so Little Lilith Grimm is introduced by System of a Down by her father she just met, cruising way too fucking fast, probably yeah. drinking a little bit. Did he give you a wine cooler or anything like that? <laughs> No, no, no. That was like three years later. I'm just kidding. Did he, did he spike your Capri Sun? <laughs> oh, man, not my Capri Sun. No, it was my Sunny D. Actually, <laughs> wait, no, I have a really good story about Sunny D. Do it, do it, do it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear the Sunny D story. Were, were you the Mexican kid in the commercial that was looking at it from the from the? From the... <laughs> no, no, no. So uh, I went to, um, I think it was Mayhem Festival. Yeah, it was Mayhem Festival. It was at Fiddler's Green. 
which is like a big music festival that we do here in Colorado. We used to uh, fuck. Used to do here in Colorado. And um, I thought I was going to be smart. I was probably like 16 or 17 at the time. I thought I was going to be smart, and I bought this gallon of Sunny D. And I was like, I'm going to drink this. Like, I'm going to have a drink for the day. Whatever. Well, they didn't let it in. They're like, no, you can't have that in here. And I was like, well, I paid like four bucks for this gallon of Sunny D. So I'm going to drink it. You drank a whole gallon <laughs> of Sunny D. <laughs> I started chugging. I started chugging this gallon of Sunny D. And they're all staring at me like, wow, this chick's about to be wasted. That's <laughs> the only reason I was chugging the Sunny D was because I had alcohol in it. I didn't want to throw the alcohol away. And I'm of like, no, this is actually just Sunny D. <laughs> I got, I'd say probably got like four fifths of the way. I didn't finish it. Like, if like the gallon was like this big. I got to like there. I was like, I can't. I can't fit any more liquid inside my body. My like my dad's just in there like, you're gonna regret this in like an hour. I'm like, no, it's fine, I did it, let's go in. And like thirty minutes later I was like, I don't feel good. I'm in so much pain. I'm so bloated. I just I just Uh, hope it came out the right end. I just hope it came out the right end, man. I gotta tell you, all right, so this is this is I'm I'm having fun. We've been having a great time for those five minutes before we started recording. Um, (laughs) the, the, the first time I ever got drunk was, um, I was living in Guam and I was a senior. Uh, we just moved there in the mid, the middle of my senior year from, from Fairbanks, Alaska. No one believed me I was Mexican because I was so pale and, uh, all the freshmen wanted to be my friends because I had to take a bunch of freshman classes because in order to graduate I had to take their prerequisites. Unfortunately, like I only had to take two senior classes and like five fucking freshman classes and and this chick in my calculus class was like why are you hanging out with these freshmen and i was like why well what's it to you and she's like you do know that the legal age on guam is 16 years old and i was like excuse me (laughs) and (laughs) and she was like no it's legit 16 years old like even on base and she's like even on base that was a Wednesday, and I know it was a Wednesday because I got in trouble because I came home late at like 1 a.m. that night because that night me and my best friend went to a fucking titty bar that fucking Courtney Love fucking stripped at that was like this like pirate-themed, and uh, I felt all guilty because I saw some illegal boobies, and then on Friday, we... <laughs> better than picking boobies. Right? I was like, that's someone's daughter picking up those dollar bills. <laughs> <laughs> someone who should be proud of someone well like on friday i i was like everyone wanted to get drunk because they like i told everyone so um i got everyone like there was like eight of us and i got everyone to give me 20 bucks because i didn't know how much booze cost and i was risking some serious shit to walk into classics on base in anderson air force base and uh i I'm looking at this booze and I'm like, okay, I guess vodka is okay. And I look at it, it's a bottle of McCormick's and it says 20 bucks. And I'm like, I've got like a hundred dollars in my pocket. <laughs> and I, I go up to the counter. The guy just shakes his head. I show him my ID. He just shakes his head again. He gives me $2 back. I've got $80 in my pocket and I paid big time that night because we didn't know how to make booze. Like, like we just had this giant handle of McCormick's vodka, which we thought was good. Oh, and Was uh, it a plastic bottle? Dude, it was it was it gets worse. It gets worse. So, uh, it gets way worse. So, I have this bright idea because my girlfriend Chelsea at the time I was like, "Hey, 
uh, is your sister still up? Because she was living with her older sister whose husband was in the military. Like, go and grab some – go and get a, a bunch of sugar and some Kool-Aid packets. And we made Kool-Aid out of fucking McCormick's vodka and went outside. And I was like, okay, there's – it's one in the morning. We'll take a shot every time a car drives by. Yeah, a car drove by every, like, minute. And – <laughs> <laughs> a car drove by every fucking minute and I remember next thing I woke up like puking in my in my in my bedroom. I don't remember how I got in my bedroom, but I'm throwing up in into my trash can that was next to my bed and I wake up and there's this huge puddle of fucking red all over the ground because my trash can was like a netted one. <laughs> it was like a netted one. And uh yeah, that's my story. And this is your podcast. I apologize. <laughs> oh no, dude. No, so I got I got a I got one of those stories for you. Let's do this it. was actually last year. Um, so I do, uh, I go out to Arizona once a year, except for this year, obviously, uh, to do a, uh, post-apocalypse, um, like camping trip, I guess is what you would call it. Yeah. Uh, so I got the, we go out there for a week, we set up in a tent, you have to bring your own water, electricity, like all that stuff. Like you were like, we're truly like out in the desert and you dress up in post-apocalypse and we do like the apocalympics. Um, there's like general stores and you can like barter for stuff. And luckily, since I make chainmail, I just use chainmail to fucking like get everything that I needed and get food and stuff. And nice. it's super fun. I love it. But basically, you're trashed the entire time that you're there. <laughs> like it's like you're just gone. Can, can the only you... two times I wasn't drunk the entire week that I was there was the two times that I was setting myself on fire. Please elaborate. <laughs> Please elaborate. <laughs> Like, I stayed sober for that, and then the second I was done with that, I took a shot, you know, like, but my favorite, my favorite story, okay, there's many favorite stories from that trip, but what, if most of them I can't say on a podcast, and I'll tell you later, okay. but my favorite one that I can say, um, so we were doing, there was one day, it was somebody's birthday, so they wanted to do a whiskey tasting, so they got, like, all this, like, different types of whiskey, and whiskey and I do not get along, but I'm like, fuck it, I'm already drunk, I don't care, <laughs> Which is a great idea. It was 11 o'clock in the, in the morning. So, good times. So, we're doing this whiskey tasting, and that's the first time I had peanut butter whiskey. Oh, gross. Which I have a relationship with peanut butter whiskey. And so, I'm drinking, and I, I don't know. I do, like, eight or nine shots of this whiskey stuff. And so, and then I made a drink, which I called a nuclear sunset, which was, like, tequila, <laughs> Mad Dog 40. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god, well, like just stop at the mad dog, man. <laughs> I wouldn't get for the flavor, it was the dragon fruit flavor. Oh my god. <laughs> it's like I made it a thing and like we drank we called it sugar death because it was just all mango nectar. Um so I drank all this whiskey all morning and then I start drinking that for the rest of the day. And I remember I was watching the burlesque and I had my hand I'm sitting there like this, and I just kinda like not off. And then I wake up in the tent. And I, I wake up and I was just like, what the fuck? And like my tent mate was like, whoa, calm down. I was like, what's going on? Like, where am I? And they're like, you're in the tent, bro. Like, calm down. I was like, what time is this? I was like, I don't know. It's like 3 a.m. I was like, it was 10 o'clock. Like, what do you mean it's 3 a.m.? I have no memory. Not a single bit from the time that I was watching the Bullet Show. To the time that I woke up in the tent, like mm. no memory. And the next day, I'm walking around town, and they're all like, "Dude, 
you were crazy last night. I was like, what did I do? Like, I don't remember. Like, oh my God. Like, what do you, like, what do you mean you don't remember? I was like, I don't remember anything. They're like, dude, like, you were just climbing on everything. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Like you climbed all the buildings and tried to set yourself on fire. I was like, oh no, I'm supposed to be sober for that. I imagine you're a biter too. I do not. You're a, well, you were a well, fucking biter. <laughs> I can I see it in your eyes. You were the kid that like got picked on and just bit someone. <laughs> oh, okay. Sometimes I bite, but I don't know. It's, it's only in the ring, okay? Just in the ring? All right, all right, all right. Let's move on to a more serious subject. Women's wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Women's wrestling. Biting. Now, I, I want to, like, okay. Like, okay. You're killing me. Okay, the last time I chugged a, a, a bottle of, of anything was I chugged a bottle of Smirnoff. Uh, because oh, me and my friend Stacy, we were going to spend the whole night drinking and watching horror movies. And this dude, Adam, showed up. Like, hey, let's go. going on? It's always some dude named Adam, right? <laughs> and, and like, you always got like like some shithead friend named Carlos or Adam. He's like, hey, let's go to the bar. I'm like, we already bought beer. He's like, are we about alcohol? He's like, well, just chug it. So I was like, fuck it. So I chugged a bottle of Smirnoff, and next thing I know, I am at a karaoke bar, and I, I remember just looking around, and then all of a sudden I wake up on a floor. And I'm hurting really bad, and I've got bouncer bruises all over my face and my arms. And uh, my friend Stacy, she was like, "You remember anything about last night?" And I'm like, "No." And she's like, "Well, you chugged that bottle of whiskey of, of, of vodka. Then we met up with some guy that was Adam's friend, and you kept whispering to me that the guy looked like he was on meth and sold meth. And then he freaked out because he was actually there selling meth." <laughs> And and you were bigger than him. You kept getting mad at him, and then you and then you decided to sing "Stuck in the Middle with You," and you 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 forgot the words. Said said that this makes me want to cut off a cop's ear, and fell off the balcony into a table. And I had to convince some bouncers not to beat your ass, but they threw you in the fucking taxi. And then I got you. I was like, "Hey, you can sleep in the bed." You're like, "No, I'm gonna sleep on the floor." And I was like, "Okay." And uh, I didn't set myself on fire though, so. I will say there's one trick to know that I am too drunk, and that's when I start doing cartwheels. And that's my party trick is that I can do a perfectly straight cartwheel, and I'll be like, "Look, I'm not," and I'll, I'll say, "I'm not drunk. Watch me do a cartwheel to prove it." But that doesn't prove anything because I was a gymnast and I can do a perfectly straight cartwheel no matter what. Well, how do we calm your ass down when you're about to do some cartwheels? Do we feed you some Sunny D uh, until you <laughs> spiked? Uh, it has to be a whole gallon of Sunny D. <laughs> no, don't need a car wheel. You have to go to the store and find an actual gallon of Sunny D. All right. Uh, it depends on what bar we are in Denver. Oh, dude, I'm gonna dude. I'm gonna find a fucking gallon of fucking Sunny D for you. <laughs> it, <laughs> That's it's so gonna. Awful. It's. I'm gonna have it warm in my trunk, waiting, for, <laughs> waiting for you to get fucked up. Uh, oh my god. Man, like, I was having a really shitty day the past couple of days, man, and it has been such a fucking great time talking to you just this, like, this little bit, man. I feel like, a, like, I'm in, like, the real world, like, because your shoot job is you're a welder, right? Yes. How, how the fuck do you just decide to be a welder? Um, so I, well, okay, so there's, like, a chain of events. So, um, I've been making chainmail jewelry and armor 
um, since I was like 20 years old. Um, so I've been doing that for a while. I've always had a passion for it. And then all my friends kept telling me, like, why don't you work at the Ryan Fair? Like, you're into that kind of stuff. Like, you could sell your chain mill there. And I was like, okay. So, turns out it's a lot harder than you think to get a booze at the Ryan Fair. But I decided to get a job there anyway. So, originally, I was selling rocks. <laughs> Shiny rocks. Which, I have a passion for geology. So, that was fine. I had a great time. I love shiny rocks. I could talk shiny rocks all day. Were you pretending um, to be some, like, Wiccan chick selling were, her crystals and shit? Huh? Were you pretending to be some Wiccan chick selling her crystals and shit? No, no. I would just go full nerd on them and tell them about the rocks. And they'd be like, wait, what? Like, why do you know so much about rocks? I'm like, because I did not have friends when I was in high school. So I studied shiny rocks. Hence your love of corn. There you go. (laughs) I sold rocks for a year, and then I made friends with the blacksmith. So the next year, I um, was an apprentice at the blacksmith booth selling knives. And I fell in love with blacksmithing. It's super amazing. And um, eventually ended up becoming an apprentice there. Um, Took some blacksmithing classes. You know, so, like, I'll, I'll fill in when the blacksmith needs to, like, you know, go to the bathroom or whatever, and I'll start doing some blacksmithing and stuff like that. And um, my blacksmith mentor is he's a great guy. I adore him. You know, I, I've gone out to Wisconsin to take his classes, and, you know, he's, he's a great guy. And um, he's a welder, and, uh, and he talked about it a lot, so, and I was kind of going through a really hard time of my life, you know, I was in a really really abusive relationship the restraining order guy no 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 no. that was never i wasn't in a relationship with that guy um that was just a former bandmate but um now i was in an abusive relationship like life was just really bad i was really depressed i wasn't i was stuck in this like really shitty day job that i hated i was just miserable all the time i was like i can't do this anymore like i need i need something i need a change in my life and um I posted on Facebook, and I was like, I need ideas for, like, a creative job, because, like, I can't, like, I need to create, I need to make things, I can't work a nine-to-five, you know, food service job anymore, I can't do it, and uh, a friend of mine suggested I go to welding school, and I was like, how is welding artistic, like, uh, whatever, like, I was like, what's the worst thing that could happen, so I went down to the school, I looked around, and then it, you know, since I'm a female over the age of 25 who um, was going back to school, I got pretty much full scholarships to go to school, so I didn't have to pay for school. So I was like, you know what, why not? Went to welding school, fell in love with welding. Absolutely fell in love with it. Awesome. Um, a year and a half later, I <laughs> at the Ren Fair, I met my future co-worker. And I saw this girl, and she was really cool. We were talking blacksmith thing, and she's like, yeah, I work at a welding shop. And I was like, oh, are you guys hiring? Like, kind of as a rib. And she was like, yeah, we are, actually. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Nobody ever says yes. And I went and applied, and I've been there for a little over a year and a half now. And I love, I, I do love my shoot job. It's super fun, because it's not just, like, sitting there and welding all day. Like, it's full-on fabrication. Like, we're giving a drawing. We're giving this drawing. You take the drawing. You go get the stock metal, you cut it, you shape it, you weld it, you grind it, like all, like start to finish, you create things. And we do all custom stuff, so it's, it's, every day is different. And so it's it's fun, I get to make a lot of really cool stuff. I'm making like, I just finished making this, um, 70 foot, like, gate thing 
It's like a whole bunch of like fences that ties into these like four different doors. I want to rewind. So, so you just met someone that happened to have the right answer for your specific query. Like, it, it's not just a something little like, "Hey, you guys hiring?" No, you were legit serious. Do you find? Oh, yeah. Do you find? I guess this is kind of a loaded question because I work on this way myself. When you ask the right questions, the right things appear, like kismet. Yeah. It it may not appear the way you think it will, and you may and it may not appear right away, but it will eventually. Like, how was that translated from asking the right question for the right person for your shoot job in the wrestling world? Oh man, it's translated. It, it's a lot, you know. Start wrestling from, is all it. Wrestling is 100% who you know. Start from the beginning. Start from the beginning. Because the, the first domino is Eric Angel. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> the first domino is Eric Angel. Uh, what's the second one? Second domino. Like, the second domino that really got me, like, into wrestling. No, no, just just in general. Like, because like, a lot has happened to you in the last year. And which one of the reasons I'm so excited to talk to you is not just because you're a, a I consider you a very good friend. Like you and I have talked about a lot. I think the second domino, the one that really got that got that ball really rolling, because like Eric brought me in, but then um, Adrian Matthews is really the one that like took me under his wing and like really trained me and um, really instilled my love of wrestling, my love of training and like my mentality of you just have to like devote yourself to it. And then, you know, falling in with the right people, you know, you know, my, my, my good brothers in Damon Ace and Balaam. Like I, I wouldn't have been able to do what I've done without those boys. Those guys are true good brothers. Like sister brothers. God, Jesus Christ, man. Like, I wouldn't want to piss those guys off in, in the least bit, but at the same time, though, like, that's the worst way to describe them because the best way to describe them is that if you are who you are and what you say you are and do what you say you're going to do, those guys will have your back no matter what. And they they show it all the time. I, I Like... And, and they're going to hate me for this because I know that they're, they're, they're the alphas. I mean, like you wander up to Damon uh, backstage at RMP, and he's where the killers are. But the guy is – I love that guy, man. And they, they took him under their wing, and they don't take people that are not worthwhile or not badass and strong. No, they definitely – they push me. Like to this day, they still push me. How did they start? How did they start pushing? Obviously, like okay, so we're talking about Eric, we're talking about Adrian, and now you found these two guys that are—they've got your back, but at the same time, though, they're probably. How did they bust your ass? Um, they just—you know—they really—they just really pushed me. You know, like I—I I had a hard time when I first got into training. You know, like I thought maybe I was too old to start training, and that. You know, I oh my gymnastics injuries were going to be too much for me, but you know I still kept coming. Like I would just get, I would get so, and you can, you can ask uh, Yaden about this because like, I still do this. Is I, I get really in my head 
when uh, when I mess up and I get really hard on myself. And when I would get like that, like Damon was really the one that always would have to be like, hey, like, knock it off, stop it, get back in the ring, do it again. And so, yeah, they just, they were always there for me and they always really pushed me to be better and not just accept mediocrity. What is some of the best advice that Balaam's given you? Um, it's been a long year. It's been a long year and a half, dude. But, um, well, 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 okay. Well, that's from him. Sorry, I have to like filter through all the advice that he's given me. I guess just he's a mountain never of positivity. What was that? Never stop fighting. Like life, life will get to you, but at the end of the day, you gotta pursue what you want to pursue. How do you feel you've impacted them? I definitely feel like I I help push them a lot now too. Like, you know, I came in and they they trained hard. They trained a lot more than I did, and then something just kind of clicked and like. I just really dedicated my life to wrestling and like made it my everything. And I really pushed them like all the time, you know, to, to train more, to work out more, to really like push them to, you know, like, Hey, send your resume here or Hey, like, uh, tell, tell this person I sent you like, you know, like I really, I really want to see those boys succeed. So I, I really pushed them to do more than what they're currently doing and vice versa. Go a little bit deeper, man. Like, how do you feel you've really impacted their lives? I mean, like, the killers like that don't keep betas around. Like, t- tell me something that, that, without even naming names, that you've, you've really made a difference on them. And, and really give yourself some credit. Well, I know that there's quite a few people I've talked out of quitting. Um... A lot of people come to me for advice and I'm like, why are you coming to me? Like, I'm so new, but they're like, well, you just, you haven't figured out. And I'm like, I mean, I guess I, it's, it's, it's no different than any other, you know, like profession like this that I've been right. in, you know, it's no different than, you know, music or burlesque that I've done. But I guess at the end of the day, like I do kind of have an edge in that because I have been in front of people before I've been on tour. I've had to manage myself and do promotion and all that. So I've definitely helped a lot of people. Um, figure that out and talk people off the ledge, so to speak, of quitting. And you know, pe- people just come to me and they just say, like, "Hey, like, I feel like really down about myself." I'm like, "All right, let's talk about it." And like, and and you know, to an extent, like, I won't sugarcoat things. I'll be like, I'll be nice, but eventually, like, I I'll, I'll get pretty pretty straightforward and pretty abrupt with people and tell them, like, "Hey, like." I know, I know shit's hard for you right now, but knock it off. Like, just, just move forward. Just keep moving forward. I know things suck, but all you can do is put your next foot, you know, next foot forward and just keep going, keep pushing towards the goal. Cause at the end of the day, it'll be worth it. But, and that's, that's really the impact that I have. And I try, I try really hard to, to be kind of like a bridge, I guess, between, between all these different like groups of people, you know, like I, I try to be friends with everybody, or not, not, not so much friends, but at least be it's the at least business. be cool with everybody it's and the business. all the different companies and all that stuff. So that's that's really my role, I guess. But you're not broken, though. 
Yeah. No. No. Yeah, you're not broken. And I, I just threw a rock at you. And I'm going to talk about myself. Uh, I had a trainer one time that was uh, – we're going through training and I had all these random questions. She's like, why do you have all these questions involved with people coming at you violently? I'm like, because that's what always happens to me. I get these situations where people for some reason – like I remember uh, to put it in the most base aspect of it, it was uh, my, my dad took us to Hawaii on vacation one time and we left uh, the Halakua and we're walking down this long fucking cement path the sidewalk and there's a bunch of tourists in front of us and I see like 100 yards in front of us is a, a park bench and there's this homeless guy sitting there and I, I remember seeing him and I'm walking and the second I passed him – he picks me to freak out on and he's screaming at me and and he's 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 not punching but he's he's flailing and i said are you okay man and he was like no i'm not okay and he's just he's just losing it and i'm like well what's wrong and he sat down he's like no one's ever asked me that before and and i look back and my mom and dad and my sister are like 50 feet behind me and they're just like like wide eyed and my trainer uh, who I told that story to, she was like, that's your karma. And I was like, I don't understand. She's like, I'm, I'm not And we'll talk about this later on, but I'm not that religious, but I'm definitely spiritual. And when she said, that's your karma, um, was that God gives you what you can handle. And for some reason, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, well, whatever, like blankety blank gives you what you can handle, uh, <laughs> fucker. <laughs> um, it, it's 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 you. For some reason, the the right people are attracted to you in the wrong spaces, but you have the right words, don't you? In your no, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Let me see your room. No, no, my room's a mess right now. I've a, been real lazy. Is that a water bed? It is not a water bed. No. <laughs> you got some poor I mean, water bed room. It's pretty much my me and my cat. <laughs> Except she's not here because she abandoned me. But no, well, well, well. The whole point of that story was is that I, I imagine that the the right people find the right person that can handle it. And I imagine that it fills your cup a little bit too much over at the same time, but you can also, you're the right person that can handle it. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And like, like I said earlier, you know, I'm, I was really shy and introverted and very alone growing up. So I have a tendency to pick those people out and, you know, like I'll single them out and come over and be like, Hey, what's up? And they'll be like, well, people don't usually talk to me. I'm like, well, I am, so. Yeah. You you have the wherewithal. Like, it's, it's, it's ingrained with you. I, I just don't, don't like seeing people having to be alone. That's the big deal, isn't it? Being alone. I, I would have to say, like, if I had a deepest fear, my, my deepest fear would be being alone. How is... Before the show started up again, how did it feel being alone and being isolated? What did it do to you? Oh, oh God, that was awful. That was miserable for me because I'm such an extrovert now. And like, I need, I need my people. 
I need to be around people. And for like the like couple months that it was, you know, nothing like that was, that was hard. That was really, really hard. I didn't know what to do with myself or do with my life. And I didn't have wrestling. And I was like, if I don't have wrestling, then what's the point of living? How did, what did you do to keep yourself sane or as sane as you could could be during that time? Uh, three things. Wrestling training, watching a literal buttload of wrestling, and um, I joined um, this Facebook group that Sin Bodhi started uh, called the Snake Pit Group on um, online, where Sin Bodhi, Funny Bone, um, a, whole, a whole bunch of trainers – would come in and do like little mini seminars and little Q and A's. And they would talk to us about wrestling and like, Hey, like today we're going to talk about this. And today we're going to talk about that. And it was, it saved me. It saved me through, through that whole time. And, um, I actually got to meet Sin Bodhi, um, like a month ago. And I, and I told him, I was like, Hey man, like your group really saved me. And he was like, good. Like, that's, that's what I want to hear. Like, I'm really glad that he's like, that's why we did it was to be able to help people. And I was like, no, like, you really kept me sane and it was really cool to get to tell him that. What did you do to help any, anyone else that like approached you during that same period when you were losing your mind and they were losing their mind even more, but you were probably dealing with it probably a little bit better. I mean, I would just talk to them. Like I talked to my friends all the time. Like we did a lot of Skype calls, a lot of on the phone calls and I'd send people matches and I'd send people to the snake pit group. Cause I'm like, like, Hey guys, like, this is a really good way to get into it. And like, uh, I know Damon and I took a couple, uh, online seminars together and a lot, a lot of the boys from Colorado did. Um, I know slick was in a few of those, uh, online, uh, seminars too. He's a good guy, man. I love him. Slick, Slick's a good brother. He's a very good brother, man. Like, uh, he's, he's always had my back and, uh, it was one of those kismet things with how I met him. Like it was the same thing. He was freaking out and I was freaking out and I just said, Hey, you want to be on the show? And he's like, what? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Let, let, like I literally said, let's be friends. Like I, like it was like this, such a grade school thing. Like I want to be your friend. Will you be my friend? <laughs> and, hey, and, random guy. We're friends now. Exactly. Exactly. That's how I make friends. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and he's such a, tough motherfucker and he's got this weird goth guy that has a show and he's been nothing but supportive on my podcast you're gonna be my podcast (laughs) (laughs) like the funniest meme i've seen like uh, like it was like the how to be sufficiently apart was like two feet apart with mass without mass uh, like very effective and then the last panel was like listen to my podcast the guy's like 10 feet away like perfectly effective (laughs) yeah I don't. I don't ever. I don't ever push my podcast at people, but I definitely push the right people to be on my show. And I just love you. Look at you. You're so pretty. Oh, you're so pretty, and you're a woman wrestler. You're a woman wrestler. Is it hard to be a woman in wrestling? Sometimes. Give me some Can't shit on that, man. Stay on right. Give me some shit on that, Fish man. <laughs> God, it's so fucking nuts, man. Because, like, how do you approach someone like, okay, you're a bad motherfucker. And, like, is it hard being a woman in wrestling when it's a man's world? Do you do you prefer to be called a wrestler or a, a lady wrestler? Like, get the fuck out of here, dude. Like, we're all the same gypsies and carnies, man. Like, how do you 
what do you do when you get those sort of questions or, or when you get pushed like, hey, you're a great women's wrestler? I mean, like, I'll... I usually take the compliment that they're attempting to give, but I also... Like, I don't know. And I get it. There is there is still a bit of a slight, you know, separation between the two, between wrestling and women's wrestling, but it is... That, that gap is being bridged and you know it's been a long journey for for women's wrestling to become what it's become today and i'm i'm stoked i'm stoked to be a part of of this evolution of women's wrestling i'm stoked to be where it is now because where where we are now with you know females in wrestling it's uh it's so much easier to get to like be an athlete and be a wrestler where you don't have to go out and be a, you know, be a diva. And, and I'm not hating on the divas. Like that's what they, that's what, you know, the times were, but, um, I don't think I would, I don't think I would have done very well in the diva era. Like, well, it's what we have now. Like it's, this is where I will thrive. I've got some shotgun questions for you. Did you feel that the women's revolution, uh, four years ago with Stephanie McMahon brought, uh, Becky, Charlotte, Paige, well, Paige was already there. Uh, like, everyone that's the biggest female wrestlers at the moment, did you feel it was a cash grab? No. No. Um, I feel, and I feel like the the true revolution of women's wrestling, I feel like that started, I'd say that started around the time of when when, you know, Paige became the first NXT women's champion, when she came up to main roster, that era, that's when it really started. Cause those women worked their asses off to prove that they were more than just, you know, for lack of a better term, tits and ass. Right. Like those, those are the women that really truly started it and like pushed for it. So by the time that the, the quote unquote women's revolution came around, it had already begun, and I don't think it was. I don't think it was a cash grab because, you know, I feel like Stephanie McMahon also wanted it to be what it is now. What did I you just do to your microphone? I didn't do anything. Did it go away? Yeah, it, like it's it's all of a sudden like kind of weird. Is that better? No, hold on a second. I'm gonna hang up on you and call you right back. Way better. Okay. Yeah. yeah, all of a sudden it sounded like you were like 10 miles away. All right, so um, you're, you're talking about Stephanie McMahon. Uh, my, my second question on that was I was the biggest fan of Lita, and I was so stoked when I was in New Orleans and they debuted the well, – no, it wasn't New Orleans. It was in Dallas. And uh, they debuted the, the women's championship wrestling and the Divas was gone. Um, at the same time though – it's kind of a conundrum for me because one of the reasons I like Lita so much is she has some big tits, great ass, beautiful face. She was part of the Hardys. Uh, at the same time, though, I'm not sure if I would have been too okay with someone that had her G-string showing all the time being the one to debut the Women's Championship Wrestling belt. And I'm not shitting on Lita. I love her. Like I, I follow Amy on everything. Uh, but at the same time, though, 
I, I'm trying to, I'm doing my best to put myself in as many shoes as I can. And at the same time, I'm not thinking that everyone that would want someone to be with that belt would have been Lita. Well, and see, and that's where I kind of differ from some of the other, some, some other people in this business, because, you know, as you know, I came from a background of burlesque dancing right? and, you know, a lot of body positivity and all that. So I don't really have any hate for women that want to express themselves like that, you know, with the, you know, quote unquote, the G string hanging out or, you know, um, you know, for for an example, girls like Priscilla Kelly, who have, you know, the Hell's Favorite Harlot gimmick, and, you know, she wears, you know, the the more revealing clothes, and, like, I love her look, I love her gimmick, I think Priscilla Kelly's amazing, but, you know, some people, you know, like, I, I support women that want to, that want to show off their bodies more, that are, that do have the confident, and are also still super badass athletes and Agreed. can still Agreed. go in the ring. Like Agreed. I don't see, and if you're, and that's, if that's not your thing and you want to be more covered up than sweet, like whatever makes you comfortable. And like, I don't think that a woman being quote unquote unmodest should make her any less of an athlete. Agreed. And, and I just wanted your opinion on that because like, I'm trying to, like I said, I'm trying to put myself in as many shoes as possible. Like I was all about it. Uh, I'm, of love Lita forever. Um, I am very proud of what oh God is proud. Even the right word. Is that even something I can even say, but I'm talking about Jordan grace. I, oh, she, she's a badass. She is a bona fide bad motherfucker and she's thick. She's gorgeous. She can knock any motherfucker out with one punch and she can fucking wrestle. I mean, like, real true blue wrestle. Like, when you watch her in Impact, she's not just, like, doing arm drag after arm drag. She's – and she still has her shoot job, man. She still kept her shoot job. I, I like, I, I'm just – like, proud is not the right word. I, I'm happy for her. I hope the best for her. I, I don't know exactly what she's doing, but I want whatever she's doing to go further and empower boys and girls, men and women. Uh, that being said, do you feel that her photos or having a OnlyFans is a good thing or a bad thing? Dude, more power to her. You know, like, you know, OnlyFans, like, yeah, it can make a lot of money. And she's freaking, you know, she's gorgeous and she's using, she's using what she has. And you know what? Right? It's obviously not impacted her wrestling career at all, so go for it, girl. It's like, if it makes you money and you enjoy doing it, then do it. Fourth question. We talked about it. I mentioned it briefly before we started. The imposing of ideas on people. All the I, all the questions I've just posed to you was definitely an idea being pushed on you. Do you find a lot of ideas and ideals being pushed on you and interfering with your own state of mind. Yes, no. I do feel that there are a lot of ideas pushed onto me, but I refuse to let them change my state of mind. What are those what are the what are the ideas that are being pushed on you and how do you stop it? Oh, um 
Uh, something the something that we've been joking about in the back for a little while is uh, I That's was funny. once told I don't by somebody I'm not going to name names but I was once told by somebody I don't believe in women's wrestling and uh, or like I think women's wrestling is a joke and it's uh, it's a spot fill you know you put a women's match on to give the audience at times, you know, to go to, you know, go to the bathroom or go get a snack, whatever. That's, that's what women's wrestling is. And, um, I know it was really disheartening to hear that for a long time. And then eventually it was just kind of like, now nah, fuck you. <laughs> like, I know what I am. I know what my matches are. You know, I'm not, I'm not a popcorn match, so to speak, you know, when, and I, and you know what, maybe, even if I am, I strive not to be. I strive to be the match that people are like, no, I want to see this match. Like, you know, like, no, you got, you got to see this. You know, you got to see this girl. Like, that's, that's what I strive to be. And I want, I don't want it to be like, oh, we're, I'm the women's match of the card. Like, I want, I just want to be a match that people want to see. I want, that's, then that's it really. Like, I, I want to prove that you don't have to believe in women's wrestling, whatever the hell that means. Right. Do you feel more pressure in interviews because you're a woman? Like you have to be more empowered, that you have to be more positive because you're a woman and have to present some sort of facade to inspire people? Or when you're in like a shitty mood or you had a bad day, uh, is is this is this a thing like that? Um, now, and I, I appreciate everything that you, you've been saying. And at the same time, though, I, like I said, I'm trying to put myself in every boot I can, every shoe I can be in. Is well, you don't want my boots? They smell bad. No, well, well, we talked about that earlier, and I'll give you like I already paid. Um, <laughs> um, um, God, that was so detrimental. This question. <laughs> Um, do you feel more pressure because you're a woman in interviews as a wrestler? Not so much in interviews. Um, I do feel some, I do feel a little bit more pressure at shows, um, being a female wrestler. And it's not so much that like, Oh man, I got to go out there and prove that we're not just, you know, the, the popcorn match. Like, no, honestly, the pressure comes from, it comes from the fans that come up to me afterwards to say, you inspire me. And I'm like, Oh man, like, no, now, now I feel pressure. Cause now I got to live up to that. Yeah. But like, that's part of your karma though. We talked about that earlier. That's like, that's you're, you're inflicted with being a, forced to be a, a strong person. That's gone through some serious fucking bullshit. Some very painful things. The things that have like cut you to your core. And the, the the right people, even the wrong people, can smell it. They approach you. Oh man, like I could I could talk about my life and the shit that I've been through for freaking days, but at the end of the day, I don't. I try to not let. Yes, all the negative things that happened to me, and there have been a lot of them, make me who I am today, and. For that, I am grateful, I guess, for all the shit that I've been through because I wouldn't be who I am without it. But 
I try to not let it control me and I try to just, I focus on what I have now and what I have now is a pretty great life. You know, I get to wrestle, not just in Colorado. I get to travel. I have so many amazing people in my life. I get to train wrestling every day and just be around this business that I just absolutely adore. So like, I can't let any of that negativity get to me because I have so much to be grateful for. What's your safe space? What do you, where do you go? And like, it's, 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 it, the pressure's getting hard. Like the ring. And, uh, what unfortunate soul, uh, gets <laughs> to feel this. Uh, whoever's in there. I gotta say, man, like, I was having, like, I mentioned this earlier, I was having a really bad day in the past two days, and you haven't been talking to it for a while, and I am big on reading people, and you have a phenomenal smile. <laughs> I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I saw it. There it is. Yeah. Yeah, you have a phenomenal smile, man, and I cannot tell you how happy I am to be able to call you my friend. The feeling is mutual, brother. It's it. Uh, I, I, you're a good brother, and I hope I'm a good brother to you. Uh, but let's let's talk about some more wrestling than feelings. Wrestling, wrestling, feelings. Oh, feelings, mm. feelings. <laughs> um, feelings are for nerds. <laughs> All right. So, from what I understand, that Lilith Grimm can wrestle anywhere. If you're wrestling in New Japan Pro. Whose ass would you want to beat in the dirt? Jack Saber? So, Will Osprey? I'm going to be real honest with you. I don't really watch that much New Japan. No, okay. Well, well then, let, let me let me call this one. I want to see you beat the shit out of evil. And uh, you're, you're going you're gonna to have some fun when you see that one. Uh, number two, if you were an impact, whose ass would you want to beat in the dirt? Christ, who's even in Impact nowadays? I've been watching a lot of old school Impact. I, well, call old school. Call old school. Call old school. Stuff. So, who's who's the current women's champ at Impact? Uh, is it still fucking Taya? No, no, not Taya. Uh... All right, just beat the shit out of Rosemary. Um... <laughs> I thought Rosemary was in Impact. Yes, Rosemary is definitely somebody I would love to see in the ring. Will, will that be on OnlyFans? We've, we've talked about that. <laughs> okay, okay. Across the line again. Sorry, guys. Uh, we got to record. We record. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, all right. Raw. <laughs> Raw. Um. Well, I didn't watch the draft, so I'm not sure who's where anymore. But uh. Um. Please see Oscar. Man, there's a lot of people. There's a lot. Does it just have to be females? No, you no, not at all. I'd like to see you beat the shit out of Oscar. I'd like you to bully the shit out of fucking Bailey because I can't stand her. Uh, I wouldn't face Oscar. Um, Oscar, I'd like to get in the ring with current Alexa Bliss. Um, oh no 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 no! Don't walk away from that. The only reason you want to be in the ring with Alexa Bliss is because maybe maybe on some wild stage that uh, ooh the fiend might show up. <laughs> yeah, duh. Wait, everybody knows that I'm that Bray Wyatt's my boy. 
he's he's the shit, man. I really dig him. That's like the one redeeming thing about like fucking WWE. I dig right now is the fucking fiend. Oh, I I remember when the fiend for I remember when the Firefly Funhouse first started, and I told everybody I was like I was like that's Bray, and like everyone was like no, they're probably just doing something. I'm like no, I guarantee you this is gonna be Bray. Yeah, and people were so like disappointed at first, like what the heck is this? I was like this is magnificent, like. This is going to be one of the greatest things that has ever happened in wrestling. And I was right. You were right, man. That's like the one redeeming thing I, I can actually watch about it, man. Somebody that I'd really like to wrestle from from the E. Uh, it's my story. I really want to wrestle Aleister Black. Okay. Uh, will that also be on your OnlyFans? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, uh, I always tell everyone, and I, I do my best to doubt myself all the time, but I always tell everyone, I just like pretty things, but that man, mm-mm-mm. <laughs> mm-mm-mm. Like, and, and he is true to his gimmick, and he is a great man, and he, like, expresses his anxieties and his fears in interviews, and he's not just some occultist, like, rip-off guy. That just happens to be named Alex. No, he, he's genuine. And I I really adore him, which is why I want to beat him up, obviously, because I'm 12 and this is how I express my feelings. He's from WXW, man. Like, the, those WXW guys do not fuck around, man. Walter's from WXW. Um, all right, so SmackDown. Is Styles still on SmackDown? Yes. Then Styles. Did you- I've been I've been watching a lot of his old older stuff, like his uh his uh pre pre um stuff, and I'm like, man, this guy looks like he's just a lot of fun to be in the ring with. Yeah, watching that guy wrestle, uh man, we were in New Orleans and watching that dick punch contest with fucking Shinsuke almost made me cry because it was so it bad. Was- Considering how, like, uh, and I'm, oh, by the way, I'm gonna send you my New Japan login. Uh, <laughs> uh I, I really am. I'm gonna send you my New Japan login. Uh, you gotta watch, uh, uh, God, it was, God, it was, it was Tokyo Dome. It was outside. It was night. Uh, AJ was still the leader of Bullet Club, but it was AJ versus fucking Shinsuke, and it was a, it was a fucking murder fest, man. It was beautiful. It was it was poetry. It was it was fucking Poe to me watching these guys fight, and I'm glad that you would pick AJ. And I, I, re- I really wish he had been one of those people popping when he showed up at the Rumble five years ago, man, uh, or at least on video to see you, like just pop so hard on that. Uh, AW. Ooh, ooh, there's a lot of people at AEW. Um, I don't know that he is technically elite yet but uh he's been on quite a few dark matches rising and i have a soft spot for him i don't want to fight rising on aew like i love i love me some rising but um as far as actual aew elite um well i mean obviously your hero your hero y2j chris jericho thank you um (laughs) i i i'm not gonna say no to a match with chris jericho like that would be amazing um it it proves to me that you know who i am because that's what i say every fucking time every time (laughs) i'm gonna get you a shirt that says it my hero y2j chris jericho (laughs) thank you Uh, um 
Yeah, Jericho would definitely be somebody I'd love to be in the ring with. I want to see... I'd love a chance to to roll around with Moxley, um, MJF. Uh, the when I got to when I got to be an extra at AEW. Oh my um, god! I would kill for you to be the girl that fucking MJF is in love with, but can't get his hands on. That oh would be god. amazing. Because <laughs> oh, and what one person? One person from. From AEW that I I would lose, and I know this one hundred percent, but I want the match anyway. Is Wardlow? <laughs> Shut up! Him. No, you Shut hate up. him. You just hate his I face, don't you? Him. It's his face. There's just something about it. You just want to punch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, okay. I said punch. She drew an underline with a. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I would love to watch you beat the dog shit out of Brandy. That, ooh, yeah. I yeah, mean, that would be a fun match. Their, their women's division is really coming along, and I, I enjoy watching the development of it. It's interesting having Kenny run it, because he knows everything that was deprived of the women's department, department, uh, <laughs> the, the women's division in, in, in New Japan, because they don't have it. They've got separate divisions that are, quote unquote, deemed lesser. And I know they got things going in Dragon's Gate, that sort of thing, but Kenny has, he, he's got that video game mind, mindset, man. Like, uh, like the guy wasn't beating everyone's ass with Ryu. He was kicking everyone's ass with Chun-Li, man. Like, and he knows what's going on. And I think he's doing a great job, man. He's he is amazing. When I met him, uh, we were uh, we were walking to get in line to meet him because we paid. And right before we passed his table, which was like a block around the fucking corner in New Orleans, uh, was uh, his partner in the Golden Lovers. And I took one look at this man. And, uh, and I just – my girlfriend at the time was like – what? And I was like, it's him. And he's like, right there. <laughs> and, uh, God, uh, God, he was beautiful. And I was like, oh my God, you're beautiful. And he's like, I think you. He didn't know any fucking English. He just knew I was like looking at him like, you're beautiful. And his, and, and his manager's like, don't touch him. And then we get in line for Kenny and we get in, uh, I meet Kenny and I, I put my hand around him and he does the bang and I'm doing the bang. And I look, and what I'm actually saying in this photo was like, your boyfriend's beautiful, and he just looked at me and went. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was a work or it was a shoot, but like you know, it's it. That's the gimmick was that you don't know if it's a work or a shoot, man. And I just love it, man. And all right, so we've done AEW. Uh, let's talk. Last question. Last question. If you could fight anybody, street fight, no rules. Everything goes. Mike Tyson, Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> Whose ass would you really want to whoop the living shit out of? Oof. I don't care if it's Ronald McDonald or fucking Mickey Mouse. <laughs> that's a that's a long list, brother. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's a lot of people. Um. I 
Or is Man, it actually, that's a, or, that's a or hard question to answer. Is the person who's asked you'd want to whip is that girl that was scared to rustle? Wait, I repeat that. Whose ass would you really want to whip? Anyone in the world or that little girl that w- was Lil Lilith that was scared to wrestle and was oh, worried uh, and about to quit? I've never really been afraid to wrestle anybody. I'm pretty scrappy. No, I'm talking about that girl inside that was worried about things. That if 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 10-year-old Lilith, 12-year-old, like last year Lilith looked at you right now and could know that you've gone this far in one fucking year. Would you whip her ass for doubting yourself? No. No, because a year ago I believed in myself. Like, wrestling is the one thing that I've ever done in my life that really clicked. And, like, I knew, like, this is something I'm going to do. I can do this. I have the drive. I have the motivation. I Like, I'm not going to give up on it like I give up on everything else. Like, this is the one thing that gives my life meaning. So no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't whoop on, you know, younger me for, you know, being shy and timid. Cause you know, like I, I had to go through what I had to go through to become as badass as I am now. Um, Tell us. I could shoot whoop anybody's ass. You're still on that. Man, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people, but I don't want to put them on blast. That bitch in fucking line at McDonald's the other day. Uh... I mean, I guess that guy that I have a restraining order against, I'd like to whoop his ass. He seems like one of those bitches that would still be like, fuck you, when you're like beating him. <laughs> oh, no, no. No, he's a psycho, but, you know, you live and you learn. You get into shitty industrial bands with terrible people and go on tour and have everything go to shits in Scottsdale, Arizona. Oh, yeah. Don't go to, yeah. There we go. I could beat anybody's ass. I would beat the human embodiment of Scottsdale, Arizona. Yeah, yeah. That that's, Scottsdale's one thing. I mean, like, you've got the university there's the ultimate party school. Uh yeah, fuck Scottsdale, Arizona. Fuck you, fuck Scottsdale. Scottsdale <laughs> <laughs> Guys, if you're listening in Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, don't download my podcast no more. <laughs> <laughs> Lilith, man. Because uh, Arizona's great. I just had bad experience in Scottsdale, so now it's my least favorite place in the world. Yeah, I had a really pretty shitty time in uh, Juarez, Mexico one time, and so fuck Juarez, Mexico too. But yeah, uh, if Juarez. any <laughs> if you cartel guys <laughs> are listening, uh, I love Juarez. Yay, Juarez! <laughs> Shit, man, I watched my girlfriend like fucking hook up with another girl on the dance floor, dude, and I was stuck in Juarez for five hours. That but, sucked. But was she hot? Uh, she had some big titties. You can enjoy that at least. Yeah. She said she was sorry later, but whatever. <laughs> Lilith, um, I am very proud of you. And I, it, it's I, – I feel shitty saying I'm proud of you because like who am I from Adam? But I believed in you the moment I laid eyes on you. You've always been a wonderful person to me and 
I am very proud to call you my friend. Nah, same brother. Same brother. You've, I'm really proud of how far your podcasts have come and, you know, I, I listen to them every time you put out a new one, you know, like I, I'm proud of how far you've come from, you know, a guy with a microphone. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's one of my honors to always tell someone like, Hey, why am I, why am I getting interviewed? Like, cause Lilith put you over. So guys, uh, get on Lilith's good side. Cause the second she says something nice about you, I'm going to, I'm going to phone you up and hit you up on Skype and maybe only fans, depending on how drunk I am that night. But <laughs> I already told you, if you go to my only fans, it's just pictures of my cat Reaper. Uh, I told you not to ask any questions. No. It's just pictures of her little bean toes. <laughs> I really, I really wish my cat kisses was still around because I'd pull her up and I'd show her like she was completely all black. She had little her little pink. She had jade eyes, her little pink collar, but she had this little tiny puff of like white pubes. <laughs> oh my god! Where did my cat go? Oh, are you sleeping in your little head? Why are you in your little head? Come here. I got this uh, little cat bed that's literally the same color as her head. She's actually using it? Cats never do that. Oh, there we go. There's Reaper. Oh, she's beautiful. She's got different colored eyes. No, she's got the same colored eyes. No, no. The light hit one blue and the other one green. Yeah, this this little thing controls my life. All right, so last question. What is our official anniversary that we always meet up on? Is it today? Yeah, yeah I guess we can make it today. Yeah, today is October 10th. We released this on Monday, but October 10th, 2021. In person this time. Deal. Cool. All right, guys, this is a Minefields recording. Miss Lilith. Grim, how do we find you online? You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and uh, Twitch uh, under Lilith Grim, except for Twitter, where I'm at Grim Lilith. Um, I also have a YouTube. Um, yeah, just, just look for Lilith Grim on any of the social medias, and that's where I will be. And who do you wrestle for? Um, my current home company is Rocky Mountain Pro Wrestling. Uh, with the uh, now Al Snow Wrestling Academy, Rocky Mountain. I also wrestle at Devotion Championship Wrestling out in Utah, Colorado Springs Wrestling down in De- uh, down in Colorado Springs, and um, quite a few companies coming up. But those are the three that I wrestle for the most. Oh, and of course, Respect Women's Wrestling. I had my official debut there a week ago, and that's very exciting. Well, we love you with all our heart, and it's been a pleasure to have you. Minefields, guys, this transmission is over and this is dangerous. Don't hang up.